0: Welcome to the Tabletop Miniatures War <laughs> what, what's the name of the podcast? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what the name of the podcast is, but welcome to it anyway. Uh we're gonna talk more Rangers of Shadow Deep on this episode. Welcome back, Robert. Thank you very much. Yeah. Good to be on a podcast that the host doesn't even know the name of, I suppose. But uh, here we are. Yeah. As long as the content's good, which I can assure the listener it probably won't be. Um we did a did a good old look through of the Rangers of Shadow Deep uh, rulebook a couple of weeks ago, I think. Um, possibly before Christmas, time of recording. So that's a, probably the most popular um, solo and co-op miniature war game around. I would I would um, probably put my neck on the line and, and say that. And uh, we were very excited to give it a shot. And pleased to let the listener know that we did do that a couple of days ago. So we're going to talk about that first mission uh, going into the deserted village so Robert you enjoy that wee afternoon that we had up there?
1: I did very much it was really good to see how it would play out especially after we'd talked about it a little bit.
0: I've always found that with them um, because I, I, I do like have a few rule books for games and you read them and read them and you know consume all the content and and you think you know it inside out but then it comes to playing it you always realise that there's still a few things that weren't quite clear in your mind even though they seemed perfectly clear so you don't really know a game until you've actually moved the figures around and rolled a bit of dice, do you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's like a lot of these practical things, like you couldn't learn to drive a car by reading a book. You've got to get behind the wheel and actually see it in action and be part of the process.
0: Yeah, and the the Rangers of Shadow Deep book, there's lots of missions and scenarios. that will certainly take us uh, a long time to play through them all. So we started with the very first one, Um Is it called The Mission? or uh, No, it's called Deserted Village, sorry, it's not called The Mission at all. Don't know why I said that. Just uh, retrieving my copy of the book here. Uh, The Missing, that's why I wanted to call it The Mission. So The Mission is called The Missing, and that's divided up into two scenarios, the first of which... Is called the deserted village. Very descriptive title, because that's exactly where we were. We were headed, wasn't it? A deserted village. Uh, we, did you did you like my setup? Did you like my terrain and stuff like that?
1: I did. I took a picture and sent it to the missus, and she was impressed as well.
0: Yeah, impressed. Yeah, as as wives always are when they see these <laughs> things. So yeah, we um we went to the deserted village. We had some tasks to do. We had some things to find out. Uh, let's talk first, Robert, about the well, the rangers, the two characters we were in charge of. And then I suppose, do you call them a warband or a party? What's the most apt word for this group of uh, adventurers?
1: I, I think warband suggests that it's baddies and it's people that are just out for mayhem and destruction. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, our our uh, mission quest thing was obviously to uh, for, for honourable intentions. Yeah. So yeah. I would say party.
0: Even if our characters don't look particularly honourable, they uh, they certainly, for some reason or another, they've been roped into this. They're, uh, well, the two Rangers, so um, a couple of guys. I'll put um, photos all these characters in the show notes. We'll go for bedroombattlefields.com slash village is a nice memorable link that you could go to for a wee look at all this and some photos of the, the game itself. But yeah, so your Ranger Robert, his name was Grub. And my, my ranger was called Harold Half-Orc. So these are two miniatures that I picked up from other world miniatures. Again, links in the show notes. Um, I imagine these two guys is like ex-criminals or maybe current criminals. They've, they've maybe kind of been roped into doing this. I don't know. Maybe they've been given some sort of pardon. You know, you, you you guys are very capable. You're good at what you do. You've been in jail a while. We're now, you know, the kingdom's in crisis Let's see if you can um go and contribute something and uh tell you what if you if you do a good job, we'll pardon you for your crimes and let you out the jail does that does that sound maybe appropriate
1: for those two characters uh, certainly for my guy grub he was definitely a scout in the army and was given a dishonorable discharge for embezzling turnips or something and now he's got to try and get his way back into the 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 good books by uh doing some of the um more shady missions.
0: One thing about them, they they're very similar, um, and I, I I don't know if that's necessarily a good thing. I mean, certainly we'll, we'll talk about this mission. It didn't trouble us too much because it was very much introductory. We weren't we weren't really in any great danger. I think with the opponents that we faced, but th- they are very similar in terms of the abilities they have and the weapons they have. So it's your traditional, you know, hand weapon, crossbow. Um, so a, a very traditional kind of ranger type, I suppose. And uh, some might argue, certainly more experienced players might argue that it, it would be more beneficial to have two rangers that are completely different so that you, you've got that more well-rounded skill set, I suppose.
1: Yeah, that's one way. I mean, especially since we're playing co-op, if you were on your own, you might want to go with ranged and have your companions, who we're going to talk about in a minute, as your, your up front and dangerous types, um, but I think it worked out pretty well overall.
0: Yeah, they um, they both have crossbows, which are good weapons, I would say. Um, being able to deal that bit of range damage, um, and yeah, they they're perfectly capable when they get into fights as well. Um, they don't look particularly magical characters, and I was kind of thinking, looking at looking at the the book later on. You know, um, certainly your guy Grubb, he's got a pistol. And then there's a spell, um, I think it was like a firebolt or lightning bolt spell or that. So, you know, if you're going super into the the lore or the fluff, you could just say, you know, that's his spell, but you know what, it's actually just his pistol because one of these old school pistols, you're probably only firing it maybe once or twice in a game anyway. It's not like a, an AK-47, is it? So,
1: Well, that's right, yeah. One of the spells was magic bolt, was just a, a one-off attack, a ranged attack, and you couldn't cast it again in that scenario. Mm. Um, and I, th- but, I think
0: you can you can sort of take three or four of them for a point each as well when you're building them so you ah, could just really? say you know, he's, got, he's got four bullets or whatever so
1: yeah but yeah um, um, unlimited uh, crossbow bolts which I thought was quite good
0: yeah we're um, going to come to that in a, a wee bit actually because there was I noticed that there was retrospectively something that we weren't doing quite right so we'll come to that um, ah. but continuing I'll look through the through the party so yeah I'm saying that it might put us at a disadvantage having these two very similar Rangers but then I think we were pretty well rounded with the party itself. First guy I'm going to talk about is uh, Count Gunter um, so a guy in sort of full plate armour he was your companion Robert. I like the idea that he just calls himself Count and he's, he's actually just a thug and he's got this armour nobody really knows where he came from or where he got his armour or what he looks like and um, but he insists that he's a Count and nobody's really prepared to, to argue too much with him.
1: Yeah, as long as he keeps moving from town to town, then his, um, his lies won't catch up with him. He's just a guy out to make a living.
0: Yeah, I just got my uh, sheet here where I had all the companions. So Count Gunther, he's a knight. That's his um, companion type, a knight, which gives him a hand weapon and shield and heavy armour. Uh, the heavy armour makes him a wee bit slower. But he's obviously very good in in combat and, and pretty hard to take down as well. Um the next person, pretty similar, Boris the Boar because he's this basically like a beastman, but a boar. Um, so you could see what I've done there with it with the name. And uh, his companion type was Savage. And he was kinda along the same lines, you know. He's obviously no armor, but he's a very strong character. So he's the type of guy that you're just going to send wading into. Um, do some damage although he did uh, try and break down a door and it took him a couple of attempts so I think he maybe got a bit complacent but with uh, with Boris I like the idea that he's kind of a maybe like an ex-slave he was maybe an arena fighter pretty good at that had a good reputation and again because of the kingdom being in crisis he's maybe just been released from his duties and put to more urgent use uh, contributing to, the, to these wee missions
1: protecting rangers
0: yeah. Uh, so yeah Big Boris um him and Gunther I think they strolled their way through the through the adventure this time around uh, apart from Boris failing to 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 break down that door. Um then a couple of the more um interesting characters as well. So Fungus he was like this wee mushroom guy. Um I should say as well the the Boris miniature that was from Midlum miniatures a company I really like. Um, Count Gunter, he was another other world miniature, um, and fungus. He was CP models, I think he came from. So yeah, we mushroom guy. Um, he was a recruit. That was his character type. So yeah, what what, what did you make a fungus?
1: Uh, I liked his Moxie. Um, he did nearly die after one turn, so I had to be careful with him after that. And when he was down to one point and with a disease as well, but yeah, he's got uh, a disease.
0: Yeah, we'll Um, we'll
1: see how that plays out next time. Yeah, Um, he
0: also found a a potion as well when we were totaling things up at the end. He had to roll on that table, but um, I was laughing at the thought of him finding treasure because it was like a gold necklace or that. So just the thought of this wee mushroom guy and he suddenly just got this big, thick gold chain around his neck, like some sort of little gangster. Blink. um, Yeah, but no, it was a potion he found. Uh, so we had Fungus, we had, uh, he was on your side, we had Vinny the Vulture on my side. This came from the fact that looking ahead to some of the future missions, I realised that I needed to buy a Vulture and I got a packet of them from North Star. I think. So decided to just put one together and paint them up and, and add them to our party as one of my companions because there's the Raptor category, which is basically just any sort of bird of prey that you want. The good thing about having these birds, or one of these birds, is they they're very um, dynamic, and where they could get to, they could get places pretty quick. There's no penalties for crossing terrain and stuff because they're flying. Um, but they're also, when when they get to where you want them to go, they're they're not particularly useful at times. Um, he searched a a box for us and failed to find the sword, which, again, on hindsight, I don't think he even was allowed to make that role. Don't think he was allowed to make an armory roll, But that's fine. You live and learn. He didn't find it anyway. If if he did find it, I don't know what he would have done with it because it's not like he could have carried it about, is it? So
1: You know, it's funny, like you could ask a hundred gamers, war gamers, role players or whatever. Um, if you asked them in a war party or in a, a Motley crew or whatever, like Vinny the Vulture, what, what kind of class do you think they were? What do you think Vinny the Vulture was? And they would come up with all sorts of things that like Or a rogue, a thief, or whatever. I wonder if anyone would say, "Oh, is it an actual vulture?"
0: Yeah, aye, they would think it's just a pseudonym or uh, nom de plume or whatever. Yeah, but no, literally a vulture. I like it. (laughs) So uh, the um, I wonder if any of the vulture hangs about with this party because they're so fearsome and they deal so much death. It's pretty good for him uh, picking up the scraps afterwards, or because he has so little faith in them that he just thinks these guys are gonna die pretty quick and I'll I'll just eat them. So either way, be. right?
1: Either yeah. way there's a there's a meal going.
0: Ironically, I suppose the only one who got into serious trouble in this game was Vinny. Um and I, I felt quite clever initially because he got into a bit of trouble. He got into a fight with a zombie and I had to kind of go over with um Harold Half orc the Ranger And sort things out. And we did this wee weird thing where, you know, I I got up closer to the baddie and the vulture, Vinny the vulture, got away. And I thought, well, that's fine. You know, I've I've, um, rescued him there. And then everything seemed to move over into the sort of town square. Everything was happening there. And Vinny, he's away, miles away from everything, uh, checking out this clue marker. And what happens in the clue marker, at the, you know, that he opens this box and a zombie gets out and the zombie attacks him and kills him. Obviously, uh, we, we do all the rolls at the end and it turned out that he didn't die. So he was just badly injured. Um, so that was a bit disappointing because Vinny, he didn't, he didn't get many turns before he was removed from play.
1: Yeah, no, he he did the equivalent of going home halfway through it, a night out thinking, oh, I'll go back out again. And like, no, that's it. You're out of the game. That's you until the next scenario yeah one of those where on sort of the,
0: the the 17th or 18th round of the night somebody's like has anyone seen Vinny and <laughs> uh, have a wee look for him but no sign and his phone switched off
1: ah, he's so, in the game
0: so that was the party yeah like I said that was the only I think that was the only serious bother we got into was well fungus
1: Vinny. he went from 10 hit points to 1 true. and had a very disease true. yeah very true I've you just not care about him
0: I know yeah Again, uh, the fact that a mushroom could get a disease as well, <laughs> you, you don't really consider that, but yeah, so they, they all, the, the guys all made it through, they got their two progression points. Um, the the mission itself, we we kind of, we talked about the background of this mission on our last episode about Rangers of Shadow Deep. So, you know, we're going to this um, village and one of our companions, he's been last spotted here or. He was known to have been here, and we are just trying to find out what's happened. And suddenly, it appears that all the residents have become zombies, and there's there's big rats and stuff like that. So, um, it's it's part one of this uh, mission about the missing, and part two, it looks like um, it looks like basically what's happened to this village is there's there's huge spiders nearby, and it's their bites that are causing people to die and turn into zombies. So on our next uh, scenario, we're going to have to go to the source of these big spiders and try and sort that out, uh, which will be exciting. I mentioned already about uh, a couple of wee things that we weren't doing quite right. Uh, yeah. The f- the most obvious one of those, I think, was the the movement, the activations. So I think sometimes if we were in combat already, we were using two activations to do two attacks. And when you look back at the the rulebook, one of your activations needs to be movement. Uh, so you could move and do something or do something and move. One of the notable exceptions of that is that we, we both talked about having crossbows. Um, so loading your crossbow could replace movement, but you can't do uh, two attacks, which I think we maybe did once or twice. So we'll have to keep that in mind
1: going forward. Right. Okay.
0: Which again makes sense because if, if, if a second movement isn't as good as a first movement because you're cutting your uh, length in half. So it makes sense that you just couldn't do two attacks either. Yeah, um, And that's a good thing too because if you're in combat with a baddie, you don't want him attacking you twice. Or maybe you do if you're Count Gunther or Boris. Um, it took us a, a couple of turns to, to properly nail down the combat and the damage thing too, didn't it? Because you've got like modifiers for combat modifiers for damage, um I stupidly a couple of times just threw them all in to my first roll. you know, I thought, oh plus two for combat plus two for damage, I'll have a plus four, but then you were saying, no, I think the damage you need to win the fight before you can apply that, and that makes much more sense,
1: yeah, it's like d and d as well, which I always always refer back to, um you have to make sure that you're looking at whether or not these pluses are for your attack roll to see if you hit or not and for the damage. And quite often it's both, but not always. So it, it's always worth getting that right in your head so you know what you're doing.
0: What did you think of the the combat system? Do you think it flowed
1: quite well? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was straightforward enough. Once you get your head around it, it wasn't overly complicated, um, certainly not needlessly at any point. And the- I, I thought it made for a, a smooth game.
0: The thing I like, and again, um, we've actually done an episode on Song of Blades and Heroes, which is one of my favourite games, but I I do find the combat, you know it's it's, it's great because of its simplicity, but sometimes the combat and that, you end up with a bit of a shoving match because uh, nobody's doing enough to bring the combat to a resolution so there's just a bit of pushing back and forward and you can get a bit bogged down in that, you end up with a table full of guys just pushing each other um so i, I did like the fact that the combat and rangers it did seem like you know i'm hacking away at this guy i'm getting there um he's going down you know a, a few small cuts in him and he's getting weaker Um the downside of that is you're occasionally going to have to track wounds and stuff like that but that's not the end of the world so no um, absolutely. I, I, i've not um really any experience with d20s before i know you're totally different as an rpg player robert but uh yeah that was my first time properly rolling d20s as well so that was oh, a new nice. experience for me it's addictive yeah i am a bit more uh surprising with the results sometimes uh, yeah notable moments in the game i talked about vinnie the vulture He's, he finds this clue it turns out to be a zombie and it kills him Uh, Vinnie the Vulture trying to find a sword and failing and to be honest if he did find the sword I don't know what he would have done with it Um, a funny moment actually Count Gunther uh, he's investigating one of the houses your character Robert so he doesn't pick the lock does he? He just breaks the door down.
1: Yeah he decided to play to his strength which was his strength so he kicked it in.
0: So he opens the door, uh, you roll on the clue table and it turns out it's a survivor from the village and the miniature I I brought for this not really intentionally, it was just one of the villagers I had, so it's this wee guy he's got curly hair and a beard and he's got a bottle in one hand and he's got a pint tumbler in the other and he's raising the pint tumbler up over his head in a sort of celebratory you know, um, kind of way so Count Gunther, he goes into this house and he finds this guy just having a wee party Um, so
1: every chance this guy just didn't even know that there was any problems yeah he probably just thought the fight had carried on outside and it was all just locals doing what they do on a saturday night instead of it being you know a, a, a being besieged by the undead but, yeah. but you know he got involved Yeah i mean he, he uh, so he, he comes
0: out of the house with gunther and then we get to the creature freeze and he immediately gets attacked by a rat now i know that rats are are very weak characters but uh, we knew that if we kept this, this drunk guy alive, he was worth, I think, 15 points to us, 15 experience points at the end, so not an insignificant yeah. amount of points. But he gets attacked by this rat, and he just uh, dealt with him, dealt dealt with the rat pretty promptly, killed him, broke its neck, so um, hooray for the drunk guy, I guess.
1: Yeah, man of experience. He knew what he was doing.
0: I wonder if, uh, I mean, I don't think officially you could do this, but you, you could just um, keep him... You could just keep bringing him along until he dies, which, to be honest, I don't think would be long. He didn't have... His stats were very impressive. And he had a movement of three, and he had nothing apart from that. I don't think they even entertained a well stat, so...
1: Yeah, yeah, he's he either retires now or he retires in a different sense in, in the next round.
0: Yeah, I mean, he had a good time. He certainly looked like he was enjoying himself. So uh, the wife and kids, they're dead, but he, he wasn't caring. So, he never liked him anyway. Um, speaking of rats being weak creatures as well, I did have a heart-in-the-mouth moment uh, with my ranger because he um, he went and attacked a rat, and this rat goes and rolls a, a 20. And I, I'd read something about the critical hits thing, so you're thinking, has this has this rat actually just killed my ranger? But it turns out uh, the critical hits don't apply for uh, evil creatures. So,
1: Lucky us, eh?
0: Yeah, and I'd still done enough with my role and my modifiers to, to beat the rat. But yeah, I, I think that's one that um, Harold Halforkel had been looking about to just make sure that nobody else noticed him struggling so much with that one. Because <laughs> his uh, reputation would be taking a hit Hit there. Uh, yeah, and we, we talked about the fact that, that Fungus found a potion as well. If I remember, you rolled a 20 on that table and you got something pretty good. Uh, let me just take a wee look, actually. So you rolled a 20... And uh, Fungus, he found the potion of restoration. A potion of restoration says a figure that drinks this potion is immediately restored to starting health and is cured of any poison, disease, or temporary stat reductions. So that worked out fine because he was poisoned, wasn't he? Um, although I think poison potentially would have expired before the um, next scenario, anyway. This potion may also be used after a game. In this case, it cures a figure of single permanent injury of the player's choice. wonder if you could give that to somebody else in your party too, you know, if somebody else has got like a smashed jaw or something. wonder if you could pass it
1: on. Yeah, I would hope so.
0: Our question of the month for May 2024 is what rules have you created or adapted to improve your favourite gaming system? This might be a homebrew rule or something you've ported over from another game. The point is, you tried it, it worked well, and you kept on using it. Head on over to bedroombattlefields.com forward slash voicemail to submit your answer. That's bedroombattlefields.com forward slash voicemail. And now, back to the show. Depends on how they treat fungus, I suppose. He might, if he gets a hard time for the lads, he might not be too interested in sharing well. out the,
1: the love. There is that. Um, I think they'll certainly treat him better now because he's proved himself in battle and he's got something he might want to share. So, yeah,
0: we've talked about the fact that we've done this mission in the deserted village and we're going to then have to move on to the next one when we're able to get together again. Robert, do you want to read us the um, the top part of that scenario and just see what's in store for us?
1: All right. Examining the bodies of the zombies, along with the other clues from the village, left little doubt. The village had been attacked by some horrific species of giant spider, whose venom reanimated the dead. Thankfully, such creatures move slowly. Likely, they will have retreated to the nearest shelter to slowly feast upon the missing villagers. Your duty is clear. Taking just enough time to patch up your wounds and make a quick pyre for the dead you set off after the spiders. Well, that wouldn't be me in real life, I'll tell you that. No. Following their faint but unique tracks. After nearly a day's pursuit, the tracks lead into a small forest. Chances are the spiders are not too deep in the woods. You must find them, destroy them, and any nests they might have made, and, if you are lucky, rescue any survivors. Yeah, no thanks.
0: Um, on this scenario, it's a two, two two and a half by two and a half foot table. And uh, what the the kind of, again, we talked about the ethos of this game, that you don't need to follow everything verbatim. You could get a bit more creative or, or you could proxy stuff depending on your own terrain and miniature collection. So ideally, this scenario is a forest, as has been mentioned. I don't actually have any tree terrain at all. So what I think I'm going to do is just lots of ruins. Um and instead of a forest, it's just a ruined, whatever you know, castle or or town or temple or whatever,
1: fiefdom um, or something.
0: Yeah, and I don't think the spiders will mind. They'll still have places to uh, lay their eggs, do their nests and stuff like that. And they'll they'll all be getting wiped out anyway if if the yeah. guys are on form. So, uh, yeah, at this point we're going to be um, looking at doing two things. There's various cocoons on the table we're going to have to go to these cocoons and explore them find out what's in them so that'll be a a role to do that and then we've also got these nests on the table that we're going to have to go and destroy and uh, the spiders are obviously going to be trying their best to to get in the road and prevent that from happening as well and uh, yeah I'm looking forward to playing that and I'm look I guess I'm also looking forward to future games where we might see because at this moment in time we're playing low level opponents. So you're not I, I know I've had a scenario with like fungus where he had one point of health and you're actively keeping him away for stuff. And then the drunk guy, you know, we tried to keep him safe. But in the main, you're not um you're not being too tactical about trying to keep away from one opponent or maybe teaming up on something else. So I like the idea going forward the you know bigger things being on the table. Ogres, trolls, stuff like that.
1: Yeah, and we've played through it once already, so we'll start to get a bit bolder anyway, and you know, take a few more risks and things. And doing that at the same time as going up against bigger things, it should be quite an interesting experience next time. Looking forward to it.
0: Yeah, and, and come the time with those bigger miniatures on the table, I've got. Uh, imagine, imagine troll miniatures. Imagine a troll miniature was just a guy at a computer and he's on twitter he's talking about i don't know trump or something and uh there's your troll yeah i did i, I know the um not to uh, diverge us here i guess but um and the, the subject matter itself here isn't particularly funny at all but i did see once you know on the newspaper boards outside the like news agents you get like a headline of a local newspaper and oh, it yeah. was it was something like um, troll tell troll told girl to commit suicide or something like that, which obviously isn't funny. But I was thinking, imagine you were from I don't know the seventies or something, and you 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 were somehow travelled forward in time and you saw that headline, you wouldn't know what a internet troll was, so you probably would just think that that was a troll that had been going around telling uh, girls to kill themselves. So that would be interesting, I suppose.
1: Yeah, they're not like in the in the children's books, are they? I mean, they're getting a bit more devious. <laughs> yeah, a bit more dark, aren't they? Yeah. So,
0: uh, yeah, troll miniature, just a guy, like I say, he's, a, he's on a phone, he's on uh, Discord, and he's winding people up, something rotten. So, uh, yeah.
1: Saying things like, oh, yeah, Zelda. Imagine if Zelda was a girl.
0: Yeah, my my favourite member of the Beatles was Mick Jagger, and then he's just got like 400 replies correct yeah. him
1: for the error of his ways. Or that one I really liked where someone posted a picture of the ending of uh, Planet the Apes saying, it's never explained in the film how the Statue of Liberty got to the Planet of the Apes, and underneath 1.7 thousand comments.
0: Yeah. Uh, a lot of people who are from the internet and they're very much here to help yeah. get things right. So, um, yeah, like to, t- t- sorry, turning us back to, to the game itself, uh, this is a game that you, that requires scenarios. So it's not the sort of game that, um, like, again, going back to, harking back to Song of Blades and Heroes, you chuck down some miniatures and you don't need a story, you don't need a scenario, you're just, if you want, it's just, here's six guys fighting nine guys, you know, have at it. So with this, it's a lot more story driven, but you need those scenarios. Robert, what's your opinion on using this system to, write your own like if you they, they call it homebrewing have you done a, a bit of that yourself over the years in your D&D ventures
1: uh, no not personally I've played in games where someone's taken source material and then changed bits of it like even the outcome of the story and so on or the possibilities um, homebrewing seems frightening to me at times especially if you're making like your own spell or or you know things like that because You want to get it right, and mechanics for these things are usually fairly well balanced. Uh, I'm I'm open to it, and certainly if you're talking about homebrewing like a story like this, Mm -hmm. um, I think that would be – you could almost make it choose your own adventure where, okay, well, let's make up five different scenarios for what happens next and then roll a – well, not roll a five-sided dice, but you know what I mean, Um, something like that, and then influence the way it goes. Like, Why don't we say, actually – I'm gonna go north and see what's up there, and then we're like, oh, okay, what's up there? We don't know. Mm-hmm. We'll figure mm-hmm. it
0: out. Yeah, I mean that's that's the thing, like there Joe McCulloch, the writer, he's done a lot of missions, there's a lot of expansions, and you know, he's a he's obviously a far better writer and knows his stuff a lot more than we do. Uh and you know, playing through those pre made, tried and tested scenarios makes a lot of sense, but part of me likes the idea of creating something ourselves too. You know, just um looking at the the miniatures you've got available, the terrain you've got available and thinking about well, what what might that be? You know, why might those guys be here? What might we need that they don't want us to have? And uh, and then looking at things like roll tables and event cards. You know, what could we make happen that would be cool and interesting? And In worst case scenario it's a complete disaster. But, you know, as long as fun's had, then it's
1: fine. Yeah, absolutely. I'd be up for that.
0: Um, so, I'm looking forward to, well, first and foremost, playing through that that uh, next scenario. Uh, I've got some spiders. I think I got them from North Star, so they're painted up. Um, Excellent. And got everything else I need. The zombies we were using, and to be honest, quite a lot of the stuff that I use came out of the um, Mantix Dungeon Saga box set because you've got a lot of plastic miniatures in there that were very easy to sort of put together and paint up. And um, I think you need some miniatures that. You're not scared about uh, transporting from one place to another. Like, we used a fair bit of metal when we had our game there, but I wrapped them very carefully. I had, like, egg boxes with bubble wrap in them, and each uh, guy's got his own wee segment in this egg box. But it's good to have a handful of plastics as well that you, you just chuck in the box, and you're not paranoid about them getting chipped or anything like that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I that's um, that's it for that mission which was called Deserted Village so I would love to hear from the listener too like have you played this mission uh, what other missions have you played in Rangers of Shadow Deep uh, tell us, I, I'm particularly interested in like funny or um, well, amusing or surprising stories, you know that moment where you have the perfect run of roles and somehow this this tiny little character achieves greatness or you know, maybe it's a big, powerful character and he's repeatedly trying to stomp on this small character and just failing every time. I, I quite like hearing stories like that. So um, you could always reach out at uh, hello at bedroombattlefields.com and, and uh, tell us a bit about it and we could read it out in a future episode as well. Do you get a lot of experiences like that in your D&D games, Robert?
1: Yeah, the odd silly thing like where uh, a ranger with a really good lockpicking skill or something rolls a one and then ends up breaking his lock in the door and now we can't get in and you know somebody then has to just batter the door down and give away any stealth that we had stuff like that silly stuff that you, you're going to get you know once in every 20 rolls on average you know because you're going to roll a one at some point.
0: Ah, it's always um, amusing to to hear those wee stories and anecdotes and stuff like that. I, I think that's, that's part of the appeal of this style of gaming, the, the tabletop style of gaming because it can be very unpredictable and uh, you can get those wee moments that I think are a bit more likely to happen than in a video game where everything's more linear and laid out and there are maybe more narrow parameters to it all. So again, maybe I'm just displaying magnets of video games,
1: though. maybe it's not like that at all. Well, I I think there is something in what you're saying, though, because quite often, you know, if if something can happen and there are enough occasions for it to happen, it will eventually happen, right? That's statistics um mm-hmm. but in video games when the enemy does something that's unlikely but it's bound to happen at some point when it does happen to you your reaction is not no way that's boom mm-hmm. the the computer's cheating against me it's they've they've written the program to screw me over now and again um but if you roll your own die and it comes up with a low number then you can't really blame anybody else right so it, it's more authentic
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I, I think as well the theater of the mind again the the video game side of things, everything's laid out in front of you. So that nothing's left to the imagination. You know, you're, right. uh, you're um, fighting a huge dragon in Skyrim. That's all laid out. You, your mind doesn't need to do anything. But with a battle on the table and it's dice and it's uh, a lot of that is then your mind's putting together. Well, what's actually happening here? I know we're just rolling dice and there's two static miniatures in this pose on the table, but what does this mean? and how cinematic that could be in your head. Or maybe, you know, after the game you're in the pub and you're talking back through it, you know, what about that turn where that, that thing happened? And you're both kind of imagining it. And I think that's that's probably, in fact, it's definitely more powerful than just uh, remembering a scene that you, you kind of played through visually. Yeah, no,
1: definitely. I know a lot of people would prefer to read the book of a story before seeing the film version, because mm. once they've watched the film version, if they then read the book, they can't get the images out of their mind that's already yeah. been made for them. Yeah. Whereas the, the the version you have in your head uh, of someone or something from the book never leaves you, I don't think, even if you then see it played out on the screen.
0: Yeah, it's almost cliched, this example now, but when you, you've you read books of uh, a certain story and then there's a film made and you see the actor and you're like, no, the character doesn't look like that. You've got it all wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or you know, that that city, that that's not how it looks. So yeah, it's it's much more powerful in your own imagination, I think.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Um I want to just touch on uh, I mentioned this at the end of the last episode. I'm running a survey for the podcast just now and the idea is that um I just want to get some info to to keep making sure that the content is really appropriate to you. Um and the best it could possibly be. You'll find it at bedroombattlefields.com slash survey. I'm going to quickly test this on you, Robert, just to let the listener uh, hear what's in store. It literally takes a minute, I think, to fill this thing out. So let's just quickly run through these questions. Um, Robert, what appeals to you the most, collecting and painting miniatures or gaming? Gaming. Do you prefer to make or buy your tabletop terrain and scenery? Bye, bye. Um, what are three of your favourite tabletop miniature games? No need to overthink it.
1: D and D probably doesn't count, does it? Even though we use miniatures, no, we could count that. Yeah. All right. Well, let's say D and D, and then there's what's the the songs the last, of
0: last two games we played? Yeah, song of Song of Blades and Heroes, Rangers yeah. of Shadow Deep.
1: And then those two, yeah. Those, I mean, I mean, you know, you, you, there are board games that you can play as well that do have miniatures, but I guess that's not quite the same. Uh, although I'll give a, you know, an honourable shout out to Scythe that I played once recently and really loved. Uh, it's a really good board game. It kind of combines Settlers of Catan with Risk, and there are miniatures involved in that, and that's a really good game. But that might not quite be the in the purview here of this type of gaming.
0: Hmm. Yeah, we we'll need to check that out. Yeah, I've always wanted to play Catan, but I've never played it yet. Ah,
1: um, oh, we have much to discuss, sir.
0: Yeah, love to get a game of that at some point then. Can you do it with just two? Can you play it with two?
1: You can. In fact, you should take the day off next time I come through and we'll play that as well as doing uh, some mini gaming.
0: Yeah, that'd be great, yeah. And um, we could settle Catan if that's indeed the purpose of the game. <laughs> yeah. Uh, next question in the survey do you dabble in or are you interested in writing your own gaming rules not at this stage Uh, when did you originally get into this hobby Uh, before 1980 the 1990s uh, the 1980s sorry the 1990s the 2000s the 2010s the
1: 2020s the 1990s it all started with HeroQuest
0: yeah and that, that that's that's been a very popular response so far. I think that's kind <laughs> of the age bracket of our um, listenership. Um and yeah, like you say, hero quest that will be the seed for more than most I think. Yeah. Um any biggest barriers, obstacles or struggles in this hobby that you that you've
1: come across? I don't think it's as mainstream as a lot of other stuff like in mean, video games and so on. And I I imagine the stigma around this sort of thing is less than it used to be. I mean, I'm going to say it wholeheartedly that's the truth, but I don't think it's as big enough or that people might simply might think that there aren't a lot of adults our age that would do this kind of thing nowadays, or if they are, they're mature students or or, or something, or you know, just a few uh, specific types of people, if you like. Mm-hmm. But my my experience in the last year or two, especially with lockdown, is that that's absolutely not true it's it's you know there are clearly there are people of all ages and backgrounds that are into this sort of thing mm-hmm. and that sounds ridiculous. the way I'm saying it as if like wow, that's your big revelation, and <laughs> you know it's not a revelation, but it's more true than people might realize put it that way
0: yeah, yeah, um, next question did you ever? Take a break of a year or more away from the hobby and return to it later
1: on. Yeah, about twenty years.
0: Yeah, I think that's pretty common as well. <laughs> yeah, that is. Um, maybe not ask you this one. Do you listen to this? Do, do you listen to the podcast? If so, what kinds of episodes have you most enjoyed? Um, uh, when, y-
1: yes, I've listened to several episodes. Uh, I especially enjoyed the ones with me in it. <laughs> I
0: thought that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, anything hobby related you struggle to find information or content on
1: no don't think so no I, I guess within the realms of gaming and stuff the stuff I like is still fairly mainstream so there's plenty of content out there for it I, I could understand if you get into the more more niche of a niche type stuff then it might be more difficult mm-hmm. Um, but you know D&D is certainly uh, there's a, a wealth of information online cool. uh that was the
0: survey then, it's, you'll find that at bedroombattlefields.com slash survey, like I say, take you a minute or two, um, most of it's just multiple choice answers, the text answers, there are a couple you can give as little or even no details to those if you so desire but I'd really appreciate it if you went and filled that out, so link in the show notes, but bedroombattlefields.com slash survey um, and that brings us pretty much to the end of this episode. Thank you once again, Robert.
1: Yeah, I, I just want to add as well that if anyone spotted the Lord of the Rings reference I put in near the beginning, other than mentioning Lord of the Rings, which came later on, then you'll get a special prize which I haven't decided on yet.
0: Yeah, I didn't. I didn't. Uh, what was it?
1: Oh, but if I say it now, then everyone will want the prize. Yeah, the special prize. Well, uh,
0: the the prize could just be the gift I haven't spent. Um, forty odd minutes in our company.
1: Yeah, all right. In that case, it was when I said mission quest thing. Uh, one of the hobbits uses that phrase. Uh, right. when they're when they're getting their plan together.
0: Good. Um, I've not I've not seen the films for fifteen. We, we, they're not twenty years old, yet are They but. 15, oh, they are. 15, yeah, right? definitely. Are yeah, aye. Well, there you go. Could potentially yeah. be. Be that amount of time. That was a lot of beers ago. So Yeah. Um,
1: about the time I stopped roleplaying.
0: <laughs> so uh yeah, on the uh, on the next episode we do together. I don't know if I don't think it'll be the next episode of this podcast per se, but the next episode we do together, Robert. I reckon we'll be talking about fighting them big spiders. So I think we'll take um, we'll make sure the Rangers are armed with just like big slippers in their hands, um, or a rolled up newspaper. Um, I was thinking,
1: conquers and a flamethrower,
0: or maybe what about um like a pint tumbler and like a just a an paper. envelope? Yeah, a bit of paper. <laughs> so you put the glass over them and you slide the you slide the. Maybe it's like a Domino's pizza flyer or something that's lying on your doormat. You just slide that under. You get the spider, take him out the door and and throw him away. And then he comes back in the house next next day when you go and have a bath. He's sitting back in the bath again. So.
1: Yeah, but what would our heroes do? Like, find a house to put it into? Because they're already outside, right?
0: Yeah, get in this house. The drunk guy's in the bath. Suddenly the spider's in the bath with him. He doesn't care. He actually quite likes it. They get married.
1: (laughs) That goes in a whole whole other direction. (laughs) Uh, All righty then. Then the next ranger comes along a week later and he's like, oh, I wonder what's in this door. (laughs) And he knocks the door down and 20 giant spiders come out. with with like men's heads and
0: (laughs) tiny little uh, beard glasses in there it's not paws is it I don't know what a spider's hand's called but yeah or that the guy's just in bed with the spider
1: looking sheepish
0: (laughs) Christ Um, okay thanks very much for listening hope you've enjoyed the the episode and uh, yeah see you on the next one cheerio thanks all